Good afternoon. Welcome to the Long Live Third Parties Podcast. Free Press Media Press Inc., a third party's books publisher, sponsors this podcast. I'm Andrew Bouchard. Today I read the case Cowan v. Georgia Secretary of State 960-F3D-1339, Court of Appeals, 11th Circuit, 2020. Friends, we're going to talk about the state of Georgia and its ballot access laws, which stand out to me and others. This case involves a party that keeps popping up again and again in these ballot access trials. Yes, the Libertarian Party. I'm seeing their names again and again. They fought the good fight here, and they present some good arguments. And there's good discussion in this case. So let's talk about what happened. Let's read from the record. It says, quote, The Libertarian Party of Georgia... Several prospective Libertarian candidates for Congress and several Libertarian voters, collectively the Libertarian Party or the party, brought the instant case against the Secretary of State of Georgia. They allege that Georgia's ballot access requirements for third party and independent candidates violated their associational rights under the First and Fourteenth Amendments and their equal protection rights under the Fourteenth Amendment. The District Court granted the Secretary of State summary judgment concluding that it did not need to apply the Supreme Court's test of constitutionality of ballot access requirements as articulated in Anderson v. Celebrities, and the party appeals from that determination. End quote. You might get sick of hearing this, but this is another example of our friends at, of third parties invoking the First and Fourteenth Amendments in these ballot access trials. So I applaud that. Awesome. We here at Free Press Media Press Inc. love the First Amendment. That is enshrined as part of our mission. And we also like the 14th Amendment as well. Good job, Libertarian Party. Good job for doing what you need to do here. It says here, they were discussing third-party and independent candidates. So that's noble of them. They're a third-party, yet they're also looking out for independent candidates. We love independent candidates, too. We focus on third parties here, but we love independent candidates as well. The record also says, quote, The state of Georgia first established its formal ballot access requirements in 1922, which required that an independent candidate or a nominee of any party not conducting a primary election could attain ballot access by simply filing notice of their candidacy, giving their names and offices for which they are candidates with the Secretary of State for national and statewide elections and with county officials for district and county elections with no petition or filing fee requirements. End quote. That law sounds good to me. If every state had a law like that, we wouldn't see all these ballot access cases. But unfortunately, they do not. Even Georgia has changed. This case discusses how Georgia has changed over the years. It mentions in 1943, they did a major overhaul of this law, and they made the ballot access laws in the form we know today. And then they made a change in 1986, but that was 
beneficial to our side because it was less restrictive. Then they go on to talk about the requirements as they stand today. And that is, they have to get 5% of the, of the registered voters to sign a petition. Judges here mention in Georgia, there are two classifications. One is called political parties, which involve those who have 20% of the vote at the last mayor, governor, or presidential race and political bodies, which are the other groups. I've never seen a classification call them political bodies, so that's a new thing. Some may say it's just semantics, it doesn't matter, maybe it's not, maybe it is, that's right. Our friends make some good arguments, so let's read what they say. It says, quote, The party noted that if it wanted to run a full slate of congressional candidates in Georgia, it would be required to gather a grand total of 321,713 valid signatures. It also introduced evidence that no third-party congressional candidate has ever managed to petition its way onto the ballot, despite the fact since, since 2002, at least 20 candidates have attempted to do so. It also introduced evidence surrounding the practical difficulties of gathering petitions, which include the allegedly error-prone signature checking process, the undue cost of petitioning and the inability under federal campaign finance law of the National Party to help defray these costs. The onerous, however you say that, of the pace and schedule of petition gathering, the lack of access to voters, and the alleged concerns from voters about disclosing confidential information on the nominating petition. All great things to think about. If no one has ever managed to get through this petition process, doesn't that say something? Doesn't that say something? 321,713. That's a lot of signatures. That's a lot. I'm sure that would deter a lot of people. The Libertarian Party seems to be very good at getting ballot access. You hear about all the elections they get on the ballot in 48, 45, sometimes all 50 states. So that is good of the party. That's a big number to reach. I also like to note federal campaigns finance law issue. This is something for us to consider when we do ballot access and other campaigns. We did have a podcast about how the Federal Election Commission rules apply to companies and how they can participate in elections. So this is something to also focus on. I want to learn more about that. At the district court level, they did give some validity to our side. They say, quote, The district court characterized this evidence as part of a robust record and noted that the party raised some compelling arguments. End quote. 
it's good to see that because yes, indeed, those are compelling arguments. Ultimately, this case hinged on what the district court did, more so than the arguments our friends made. It does say here, all considered, our friends did well in the election. It says, quote, they qualified by getting 2.23% for Secretary of State, 2.65% for Commissioner of Insurance, and 2.67% and 2.52% for Public Service Commission, District 3 and District 5, respectively. The issue they note in this case was how there are two different levels for getting ballot access. One is the level for state offices and one is for non-state offices. So they got one type of ballot access but not the other. Our friends argue it is a greater difficulty to get petitions than it is to win a primary election. Unfortunately, the district court that they appealed from here said one or the other isn't necessarily more difficult. So what do you think? Do you think our friends have a point? To me it seems they do because thousands of signatures is a lot and in some of the small areas there may not be that many voters of a primary. So yes, that signature requirement is a big deal. Ultimately, they concluded as follows, quote, For the foregoing reasons, we vacate the district court's grant of summary judgment to the Secretary of State and remand the case for further proceedings consistent with this opinion. On remand, the district court is instructed to conduct, in the first instance, the Anderson test with respect to Georgia's ballot access requirements and consider the Libertarian Party's equal protection challenge, end quote. The Anderson test is mentioned in a lot of these ballot access cases where it's a big landmark case which determine the parameters these ballot access cases need to be centered around. Since they didn't consider that when they had the initial trial, they have to consider it when this case is being sent back down. So this is a good thing. It may not be an ultimate victory, but it gives our friends another chance. The state didn't win. They didn't get their way here because now when the case goes back to the district court, there's going to be another trial. So another opportunity to win. Good job, Libertarian Party. And good job to all the other third parties fighting for ballot access. Long live third parties. Goodbye.